Hey yo, we about to tear it up. Yo, break for break, break for break, get down. This right here is how we do it. Break it down. Welcome to Breaking Atoms, where we break things down to the very last compound. I am your host, and my name is my name, and my name is Chris Mitchell, aka the actual factual. Today, my 21-year-old self rejoices. Back in 2003, I got my first computer, I had an internet connection, and I had a modem. I was active on the message boards, and as part of my discovery, I found a group called Little Brother. I signed up to their message board, which was called The Lawn, and what happened on The Lawn is that I fell into this rabbit hole of great hip-hop that really shaped my tastes and my interests. Another one of the groups that I discovered during this 56k rampage was Tanya Morgan. Tanya Morgan are a really important group in my hip-hop journey. Their name was really interesting to me from the start. They named themselves after an imaginary woman, which I just thought was genius. In a way, they were amplifying women's voices before it became the cool thing to do. Plus, they just make really dope, relatable hip-hop music, and I love them for that. So ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, dogs, cats, people with jobs, people without jobs, which is me right now, Tanya Morgan on the Breaking Atoms podcast. Check it out. What's up, man? Awesome. Awesome. That was, that was quite the introduction, man. I thank you so much. <laughs> we also were one of the first rap groups to use like the they pronoun. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I I, I remember seeing um the advertising for um I seen the advertising for Moonlighting and I thought, Tanya Morgan. I'm like, huh? But it was it was so good in the sense that it intrigued me. Like I want to, I want to know more. And I've I've always thought that was a brilliant move for from from both of you. And and you know, pleasantly surprised just by the music that I heard because it was my first time hearing you as a group. And I'm like, yeah, you know, as, as as I mentioned, little brother and that whole that whole journey led me to groups like you. And I felt like I found myself and I heard myself in groups like you. So you, you guys are really important to me. Thank you, thank you so much for the music over the years, man. Absolutely, thank you. So let's start. You have a brand new album out, Don and Von. So with me, I, I saw the title and I thought, hmm, is there some significance? Because I think you guys are really creative in general, especially mm. with the titles. Felt like a reintroduction to me. Is, is that true or false? Or you know, where does the inspiration for that simple but direct title come from? Yeah, you, I would say I would say uh, like like a reintroduction because you know it's always. It feels like you're always starting over these days, you know, and, you know, you know, for better or for worse. It always feels like you're starting over. And um, we wanted to do we, we, we wanted to do the, a record called Don and Vaughn. It was it was an, uh, something that Don wanted to do for a long time. And um, for me, I, I, it came from a joke about, you know, whenever people would meet us, whether we like, you know, on tour, we would get to like sound check or whatever. And like, you know, the people at the venue, the sound person or whatever, they would be like, what's your name? Don. Hey, what's your name? Vaughn. And they would always say, ah, Don and Vaughn. So it became like a joke. And, you know, Don was like, yeah, we should just do an album called Don and Vaughn one day. And, you know, we finally was like, yeah, I think we should go ahead and, and do that for real now. And uh, call the next album Don and Vaughn. Okay, so Don and Vaughn, what was the... um. What was the first song recorded for the project or what was that moment when you realized, okay, album mode? I think the first joint was No Tricks, if I'm not uh -huh. mistaken. I don't know if Vaughn was like stockpiling beats or doing like putting stuff to the side, but I was in Cincinnati um, for, I don't remember why I was there because it was a while ago, but I ended up going over Brick Beats House and we were just kicking it around. He was, he like was showing me beats, like playing stuff for me. And I was like, yeah, that's dope. He was like, just do something to it real quick. And I, I just like recorded a scratch verse and sent it over to Bond and Bond was like, album mode, let's go. That's it. Let's go. Okay. All right. <laughs> and it, it, and I, I think that that song in general, the momentum of that song carried throughout the album and that kind of like set, it's the spirit of the album. Okay. okay. The artwork was really interesting to me. Um, like I say, I think you're one of the, the groups, you're very grounded in your, and your, yourselves. And I like that. But with this album, you guys are looking at the earth almost like, you know, you're looking at what's been going on in the world right now. And I just wanted to know the significance of the album cover because it really stood out to me. Like it didn't seem like a Tanya Morgan album cover at first. Uh -huh. Well, you know, it, I, I think that 
I'll let, I'll let Vaughn chime in too. I think that part of it is just like it goes back to the album title, Don and Vaughn. It's like we really wanted to pull back the, the pull back the cover a little bit on Tanya Morgan and on the group and like kind of like shed some of the conceptual stuff that we do and just kind of make it more about we're, the, the 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 people behind the, the name, you know what I'm saying? Like because again, like um, a tribe called Quest is is Q-Tip, Fife, Ali, um, Jerobi, but you know what I'm saying? You don't think of them as you think of them as like an amorphous thing. You don't think of when you think of Q-Tip, you think of Q-Tip. You think of Fife. You think of Fife. Like we wanted to kind of like create that thing where, um, you know, people look at us, look at the parts, look at the parts of the group. Instead of the whole for a moment, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Okay, um, Vaughn, you got anything? I mean, he pretty much covers it, but like, um, it, it's just was like I, I say it's open to interpretation, but one of the, one of the interpretations is like just you know looking looking at like it's like how how when I start the record and I say you know some of some of uh, y'all was raised on us, it's like. It's just taking, you know, stepping back and looking at what we've done because we have done something, and it's not, it's not like always chasing the next thing, but taking a minute to appreciate what you've done. And I'm like, you know, like looking at the the world we've built, and that's one of the interpretations. It's definitely also looking at where the world is, and and you know, or you can look at it like feeling outside of what's going on. You know, it's a lot of different ways to look at it. Another thing about the cover art is that we just wanted to have an iconic image, like one that like, like it just sticks in your mind. You know what I'm saying? Like there are some album covers that a couple album covers throughout history that do that, where like, if you see that minivan, you think about Kendrick Lamar, you know what I'm saying? Or if you see um, like the, the NWA cover where they're like in a circle, like, like it's just certain album covers and tropes that just stick and, you know, it just felt, I don't know, this was even before, like, the. this was clearly before the whole billionaire space race thing, but it's just a, a like a, a, I don't know, I guess, I guess being ahead of the curve gave us a, a really timely commentary on where we're at now, because <laughs> when we thought of this album cover, we, it was like, what, a year ago? Because of the, because of the pandemic, we had to change plans on the cover. We had, we were going with a different thing, but we had to find a new direction because, you know, we couldn't be. Yeah, funny enough, we, you know, we, if you look back at our other covers, they've always been, you know, we're on the cover or it's like a picture or something. And the one time we wanted to do like a crowd photo, a pandemic hits where we can't be in a crowd. So we had to, we had to come up with something else and uh, came up, we came up with this. I, I, I was looking for the photo that inspired it because it's a piece of art that inspired the cover. I have to look at it. I have to find it again, okay. unfortunately. But yeah, it's it's a it's an image that was um inspired by another image. It's it's like a, a couple sitting on the moon, and like space. It's like they look like they're like in a park, but in space. Right. Okay. If you do remember what the image is before the end of the interview, I'd love to know so we can include it oh, for in, sure. in, the, in the interview. For sure. Let's let's go back in time a bit. It's sixteen years, and I feel weird for even saying this. 17 see what i mean do you see what i mean 17 years since moonlighting now i said this off the call and i'll say this in the interview i have this album on hard copy yes i do yes loud minority music i even remember the the label um yeah i'm an mc Mm -hmm. i hate my first album i want to (laughs) destroy it i want to wipe all memories of it from the internet how do you both feel about moonlighting 17 years later? And is there anything you'd change about it? Um, actually, uh, <laughs> I do want to say you were actually right because um, uh, 17 is from our very first like mixtape. But Moonlighting is, uh, came out two years later. So it was 15. Um, they call me the actual factual on this show, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but not because we've been, we've been like, you know, the past two weeks, we've been like going back to the catalog and figuring out. Um, it, it's still, it's still, for the most part, it still holds up. Like there's, there's some, some other stuff we've done around Moonlight. And the, the only problem I have with it is the, the mixing. I wish we would have 
worked on the mixing. And the thing is, it's not that we did a bad job mixing, it's that we didn't try to mix it. We didn't really put forth a, a effort to mix it. <laughs> so that that's the one thing that that's the only regret I have. But I think, you know, I think it still sounds good. I think it still holds up. Um we didn't say anything too crazy that like, you know, sounds awful now. And um yeah, for the most part, I, I, I definitely still like it. I just wish I do wish there was like a super like a, a clear, not even super clean, but just like a clear quality version of it. You know, that, that one that you could like. You could just you could blast it in your car or something, because it's, it's not going to sound good if you try to like blast it in your car right now. You don't have the stems. No, I wish I wish. I don't because it, another thing that's funny is um the album the album that I because I um I'm like the musical director of the group I like sequence the albums and stuff to this day but back then the computer I had it had four gigabytes of space four gig not four gigs of memory four gigs of hard drive space and I actually maxed that out to 50 gigs. So <laughs> with that 50 gigs and let's say moonlighting took up, if it took up like 25 gigs, I didn't have the sense to like have an external drive and put it away. I like just deleted it. And I was the person with all the final files. So super, uh, you know, I regret that stuff. But as far as like the music goes, I feel like it still holds up. Mm, mm. Don, how do you feel? I like it. Um, I, I don't really revisit it that often. Like there are songs on it that are staples for me, like um, uh, um, Paper Thin, Want You to Want Me. Um, I'm, I'm forgetting. I'm forgetting a few. But like I would say every two to three years, I go back and play the whole thing um, and kind of just remember the, the time. Because so for that album, that album is like a like based on, you know, like based on. A lot of a lot of the stuff on that album feels like demos for Brooklyn Natty to me. You know what I'm saying? It, like when I say that, I mean like I was still learning my voice, and not like my not like my voice in terms of like what my what my um what I would talk about, but my voice in terms of just like my voice as an instrument and learning the ways around think the way that I pronounce pronounce words and how to like how to like really be nimble with my flow and stuff like that. So. Um, you know, when I listen to Moonlighting, it took me a long time to hear it without hearing mistakes. Um, the mistakes, the mistakes are the personality. Like mistakes are always the personality. But, you know, for the person who made the mistakes, sometimes they just it just sounds like mistakes. But mm. now when I hear it, it sounds quaint and it's fun. And it's it's like this moment in time that, you know, like Baby I almost say you had to be there. <laughs> I, I say you had to be there because. Again, like I wouldn't point anyone to Moonlighting today. I would point people to Brooklyn Natty before I point them to Moonlighting because I feel like I feel like you don't have to be there for Brooklyn Natty. You just can enjoy it. But for Moonlighting, you had to almost kind of understand that there was this message board sensation that made it off the message boards, and there were these cassette tapes, and we were these dudes who had a woman's name, and like it was a it's like a so much happening. A lot of context. Yeah. Yeah. So. With that said, I I do enjoy it, but I enjoy it very uh, sparingly. <laughs> okay, you highlighted um, message boards and forums. I was a member of the lawn, and I remember people spoke about Tanya Morgan a lot on the on on the lawn. Yeah, I used to be on the lawn also. Yeah, I remember. I remember. Um, yeah. <laughs> I feel like Tanya Morgan is one of the groups that really set the trend in terms of one creating music and developing a, a, an audience and a fan base through the internet, through these message boards and through these forums. Tell me about that time and some of the things you did online in order to, to, to generate your fan base. Um, yeah, for, for us, you know, it's, it's funny. And, um, you know, I, I act like those, oh, like, you know, hip hop sites, sandbox automatic, forgive me if I'm tripping, but we I feel like we caught really the 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 very end of that where mm -hmm. um as me being being a fan that was about to walk through the door and be in an, an artist and fan, 
I was watching, you know, like the Justice League get on, you know, like uh, uh, away team and uh, little brother and all of them. I was watching them get on and they and have the post on, you know, hip hop site and all that stuff. And when we when we were coming out, I feel like we were really on. We were taking we were trying to max out MySpace as much as we could. We were like, uh, like we were saying yesterday, we were talking about it yesterday, the, 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 uh, the MySpace, um, what do you call it? Just like the MySpace player was like the first version of like SoundCloud. And um, so we were really on that hard and just, you know, we, in 2007, we were putting up new songs basically for the MySpace player. Like we, those songs are still not on streaming or anything, but we were basically making songs for the MySpace player all of 2007 a lot of those songs ended up on a mixtape we did tanya morgan is a rap group and um but we were really trying to max out myspace and then late 07 was when we really caught wind of um the blogs like you know new music cartel and realized that they they liked what we were doing so we started sending them music to put up and i know for myself i didn't really i had no clue what the blogs would become and how important they would become. And I feel like we really flourished in that, in that era, as far as, as far as being online, like we got our start through like the message boards, okay player and the lawn and the, the John and, you know, all of those, all those spots, but we really took advantage of MySpace and through what we were doing through MySpace, and like, you know, when people were still doing more like hard press, like in, in magazines and stuff, we then parlayed that into the relationships we made through like all the different bloggers. And that was like, that's what was considered like our highest height of like, you know, being known, you know? Notoriety. Like, yeah, like uh, to, to further that comment. Um, so, you know, like there was this middle ground of, um, like, you know, you had the, you had the hard publications like, like double XL and source and, uh, new music weekly and all these magazines. And then you had writers that were aspiring to be like, get bylines by in those publications that just had blogs or they had websites. So they, they were just doing their thing because they couldn't get, you know what I'm saying? Like they were building their portfolio online and like what we were able to do was get in bed with them early where it was just like. Oh, they're featuring our music. They're interviewing us, and they're aspiring. And then when they when they moved on to become writers, they they took us with them. You know what I'm mm. saying? They, they took our music into those publications and whatnot. Um, and even before then, it was just like, like I remember at a certain point in time before we had a publicist, I would like go read, go to the magazine, go to like a bookstore, read the magazines. Uh, the I guess I think it's called I forget what it's called, the masthead. And then like like research the people and try to find them and send them music and stuff like that, and a lot of that just landed on landed us on the blogs. And then like even when the blog when the blog era really was like moving and rolling, I, you know we would do things like I would have a blog on Hip Hop DX along with other writers, and it would just be like it would be like I would have a column and write about stuff and write about my life or write about music or write about whatever. So we were always very aware and highly attuned to having some level of online presence and online footprint and creating some level of um, um, familiarity to a fan base so people could like an avenue for discovery. Because, again, I guess today more than ever, it's evident that, you know, it's cult of personality. It's it's you got to have a robust kind of like personality and a robust thing outside of music for people to even really check for the music i mean unless you're like ka or rock <laughs> yeah. marcy or good example or, or Matt Tommy. and these people are even like in terms of like it's almost like reverse like because they you know their personalities are big but they they don't really give you a lot in terms of just like social media blah 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 it's just like not nah, like the mystery it's like the, the mystery of mf doom or the mystery of you know like these these kind of like j electronica for it to, to a certain extent um so, yeah, we were just always aware of the balance of kind of being present in a space that like finding a way to be present in, in online. Mm, mm, yeah. Yeah. Good answer. Thank you so much. Brooklyn Natty, I feel like and I say this respectfully. Moonlighting, 
I love Moonlighting, but Brooklyn Natty, when I heard that, like just the packaging, the idea, the concept, I was like, okay, this is like their version of the infamous. This is okay, we're here now. This is this is the one. Oh, like like that breakthrough. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I like that comparison, man. That's how it's always <laughs> felt to me. So talk about the concept of Brooklyn Natty, like it was to me like hip hop meets the Sims. You came up with this imaginary city. I remember opening the CD and you had a map in there. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about the whole Brooklyn. Um, I actually, I, I still have the map. I, I still have a map framed on my, on my studio wall like, to this day of Brooklyn Natty. Um, that came about, we were, we were on, we were on tour in 2008 with, um, the hieroglyphic, the hiero crew. Oof. Shout out to all of them. And we were because, you know, they're they're from Oakland and our label, like you said, Loud Minority Records, uh, it, it became IM Records, who put out Brooklyn Natty, and they're based in Oakland also. So, you know, because because Hyro's based out there, they they can like stop tour for like two, three weeks and be home. And us, we we from the East Coast, but the label was there, so we just stayed at the label for two weeks, just for like be in the label office and just just in town. And it, long story short, we took a show. We took a show in between the tour. We went out. We went took like a one off uh, show to Portland. And we were with our guy Dominic Del Benny, who we still work with to this day. He like he like kind of discovered Tanya Morgan, um, and on this road trip. We, you know, I say we got in the car in Oakland and by the time we got out of the car in uh, in uh, Portland, we had we had created a whole city. It was just three friends in the car talking about what is Brooklyn Natty and like, how can we max it out? Because we had the title. Don was saying the name Brooklyn Natty. He was saying that in songs we recorded in like 2004. He would just he would just say Brooklyn Natty. And we said, well, if we're naming an album Brooklyn Addy, okay, it's an album title right now, but how do we make this a real thing? And it was as simple as, well, what makes a city a real city? If if I say, if I'm in uh, London right now, how do I come back and show somebody I was in London? Maybe a train map maybe a, a menu from a restaurant, maybe a, a, a book of matches. And that's, that's how like everything, that's how Brooklyn Addy came about where we had like the, basically like if, if it was a real city, what would be the souvenirs? Hmm. And, and we just kind of went crazy with that. And he said, well, well, if they're souvenirs, they're coming from certain stores. Well, where are the stores in the city? Well, let's make a map of the city. And we just like, spread it as much as we could just as thin to the point where it's like you will almost feel like it really is a city you know yeah i feel like it i really do yeah um <laughs> you mentioned um i am records as interdependent media interdependent media it seemed to me that there was some money over there and i tell you why i picked up brooklyn <laughs> i see blue i see fonte i said oh okay so you know People, people know them. But then I picked up the Finale album, which came out on the same label. And he had like M phases, Apollo Brown. He had two not speaks. I said, who is this label? Like, like, but you've answered the question for me because I didn't know it was Loud Minority. I'm going to be honest with you. All of that is not even based on budget. It's just uh, built up, built up respect, built up social. I'm sorry to so that's no, all good, I'm man. This is right now. So this is this is will, this is authentic. I like it. I like it. Yeah, I will say this it's about uh, I am like yeah. What Bond, what Bond was saying is a hundred percent true. It's like a lot of the collaborations and a lot of the um, you know features and appearances was absolutely just respect and relationships and like like time invested in just getting to know people. But you your assumption is correct. I am was definitely a label that had a budget. Um, and we were able to we, we we had resources. Let's just say that, you know, what I'm saying like, I don't want to I don't want to like oversell what I am was or undersell what I am was. But it was definitely a it was definitely a label with the ability to move in ways that a lot of other like smaller independent labels couldn't. Hmm. And um, if, Most if our we, money went to tour, honestly, like we 
the album budget the album budgets would go to like when we started to mix the albums <laughs> <laughs> it would go to mixing and mastering and other than that we like touring was expensive like especially like during around like that 2008 recession gas was like five dollars a gallon you know i think i think most of our brooklyn addy budget probably went to being in that in that in the car on the road <laughs> and printing maps you guys came with the trifold digipack i'm like yeah man <laughs> these guys are doing yeah. it now these guys are doing it um i'm gonna i'm gonna um i've got some solo questions i want to i want to ask you so starting with with don um don cusack in high fidelity it's, okay I think, fine I think, i'm leaving <laughs> No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so you, you've got the humor for real too. I like that. Um, I'm coming to you because I, I have a question for you. No, um, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> you came up in a conversation the other day. I'll share it with you in a moment. Um, Don, Don Cusack, High Fidelity. I think it's what? T- Since the album came out? I believe so. It's been, it's been a minute. Do you have any fond memories from, from, from that recording session? Any stories you want to share from the making of that album? I mean, just like... I guess a fun story is uh, the song Ian's theme. Um, I don't know if, if, if you or your listeners have ever seen the movie, but the movie is a, it's a film called High Fidelity. It's adapted from a book. And in the film, it's a, it's a love story about a guy who's coming to terms with age and love and all this stuff. In the film, his woman leaves him. They break up and she ends up dating a guy named Ian. Ian has a really long ponytail in the film. Like, he's just a, a dude with a long ponytail. And I remember, like, being like, I want to get Opio to be Ian on this album because Opio has long hair, too. That was literally the only reason. <laughs> I mean, just <laughs> Opio being like, Opio's fucking Opio. Like, Opio's like I'm, Opio. not gonna, I'm not going to sit here and be like, yeah, I just can't see him because his hair was long. But it was literally like, what, what, I wanted it to be so true to form that if you, like, look at the, look at the, the features, it's like, okay. This dude went on another level of detail, but yeah, that, that's that's a fun one. Um, and also, he was gracious enough to do it. Like, shouts to Hyro, shouts to the big bro. I love. Just like recording the album and like the skits and interludes, like me and my homegirl were doing it, and she just, it was just like, it was like voice acting. So you know what I'm saying? I was like, I was like giving her a line. She was familiar with the movie. That was a fun part. And also, so at the end of the at the the album ends. And there are bonus tracks on the album, and the bonus tracks are the soundtrack to the film that is the album. Did that make sense? Like, so, like the first twelve or whatever songs, that's the that's the movie. The bonus tracks are the soundtrack to that movie. And I don't know if I ever was able to fully convey that point. I think people just thought of it as bonus tracks. And yeah, one other thing, one other like from the cutting room floor, what we wanted to do originally was package it in DVD cases. Hmm. I remember that. I forgot for a while, but yeah, it just it just became very unpractical for the purpose of stocking physical merchandise at at uh, retailers. Like they 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 wouldn't be able to put it with the albums. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Like and again, like we if, even though I am was a was a, a money label in a sense, and we had we had a budget and had resources. We did not have the resources to take a spinoff album from one of the bigger projects and give it in caps and give it these sort of like, like, like counter displays that would make that packaging make sense. But we had a, like, we're a group that we, even with Vaughn's explanation of Brooklyn, explanation of Brooklyn Addy, we always think big and outlandish and then carve the ideas down to what makes sense. Mm, mm. You know what I'm saying? And that's kind of been like, that's, that's kind of what the group is founded on is just dreaming as big as possible. Nothing is impossible. Okay, now how do we how do we bring a, a version of that vision out? Because right. one day, one day, one day it really will be we can we can build a pop up city somewhere. Mm. But until that day, we'll just like talk like pare it down for you. I hear you. I hear you. Um, a pop up city. That's actually imagine. That's crazy. Imagine like a Brooklyn Natty pop up. Thirty year anniversary. <laughs> no, listen, man. If I'm still around, I'll come. I'll come. If that I'm still around, that would be super cool. I, I'd actually never thought about that. That would be dope. That is doable. All I'm saying is, if it happens right, I, we need a break in that store. I don't know what we're selling it, <laughs> but we need a store sure. there. Like you know, <laughs> breaking Adams would be the um uh, the like a, a a scientific research facility. There we go. And you guys, 
we would get lab coats made for breaking out. There we go. There we go. So, um, so Vaughn, I first heard you on one of my all-time favorite albums, um, mm-hmm. The Foreign Exchange. I didn't know who you were, right? But when I heard um, Watermark My Heart, You Can't Get As Real As This, 10 Years From Now, Von P Still In This, I, I messed up the line. Uh-huh. No, that's a lie. Talk about getting that call or that email or, you know, that DM from Fonte, if that's what happened about, I want you to be on this project. And how did he sell the whole foreign exchange concept to you, considering he was a little oh. brother? Oh, uh, Okay. Have I gone back too far now? Okay, how do I go back to the very beginning? Um, so we were all on we were all on okplayer.com. Um, I want to say just by chance, um, I was in a post that, that Fonte had made, you know, by his name on OK Player, Tay Gravy, about the um unheralded symmetrics the uh the history of us like the like the comedy mixtape that he had did and 20 years ago at this point um with with the producer eccentric that that produced he did uh the get up the get up the get up on the listening so i heard that as i was trying to figure out how to make music but i didn't have i thought i needed like this money for studio time and the MPC and this and that. And at the time I was what, like 18, 19. So it just seemed impossible to make enough money the legal way to like make, make music for real. So I, I fell in love with this unheralded symmetrics album, which now it sounds like they made it in a, in a closet somewhere. But at the time, it sounded incredible to me. Like, wait, you you guys made this in a house? You didn't you didn't do this in a studio? So our relationship started there. The relationship was me asking a million questions about how did you make this without being in a studio? Because I know now that anybody can do it, but back in in two in the year two thousand, at least for me, I didn't know that was possible. So um, that's how I, I became cool with Fonte and Eccentric. And long story short. Uh, one day, Fonte hits me up. Yeah, you know, I'm, I, I started this group. We're going to call ourselves Little Brother. Uh, my, my my other producer, his name is Ninth. I know you heard that song that me and rapper Big Pooh did, the love joint with Eccentric, but now we're doing the whole album and Ninth one is going to produce it. And my family's from North Carolina. That's actually where I live now. Um, but we're, I'm visiting Brooklyn. I came up with, with uh, my, my aunt, and we're like visiting my mom and my brother in Brooklyn right now. But at the time, it was the other way around. I was visiting North Carolina in 2003 or whatever. I had an album, a compilation I made called The Beat Maker. And Fonte is on The Beat Maker. So I linked up with him to go record for The Beat Maker. And we did like a joke song. It was it was a song in the vein of the... Um, History of Us, Unheralded Symmetrics tape. Where we like he was pretending to be like... Uh, Goody Mob or somebody, I forget. So we do that. We knock that out, get that out of the way. And he's telling me, yeah, I'm working on some stuff with Nicolay, who's also from OK Player, and we're going to do a project. So my mind, like if you go back to my verse, I said Nicolay and LB, I thought they were doing a Little Brother album produced by Nicolay. I thought they were doing that thing where like how, you know, Common will work with no ID, and then next album he's with Questlove, the next album he's with Kanye. At first, I thought that's what Little Brother was going to... It was that early. I don't even know if the listening had really come out yet. I think the listening was still on the way out in 03, if I'm not mistaken. I could be mistaken. It came out February okay. 03. Oh, oh, okay, so it was out. It still was new. Because we recorded for, um, for an exchange July 03 somewhere around that time. So I think, I don't know if I had really grasped the concept that little brother included nice at the time, which is funny because now it is the, it's the two MCs. But I, I thought like the foreign exchange was going to be, like I said, Fontaine and Poole produced by Nicolet. And I really didn't have a full understanding of what I was doing. Fontaine pulled up the, the beat, and it was me and Crisis in the studio. Fonte pulled up the beat, and he went and picked up 
his son Dylan, who's a baby at the time, he went and like got Dylan from uh, after school or whatever. And I, I sat there, had my notebook, and right into it. I think me and Christ just walked and got like some ice cream or something. I don't even remember some sandwiches or whatever. Got back to the studio. He turns the beat on. I go in. I say the verse, and I say that's ridiculous because I'm thinking, you know, rapper Big Pooh is gonna come on and be like ridiculous, Farm P and Little Brother or whatever. I'm not thinking that I'm making my own song. So the only reason I said ridiculous was like for the next MC, whether it's gonna be fine to get pool to come in and finish and keep rapping. And uh, Crisis was like, yo, so what else you wanna do? So I started shouting people out. Like, I see you, blah, 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 I see you. And he was like, hey, shout out some of your people, because I was shouting out the Justice League. So then I started shouting out like my my people at the time, like my homeboys I grew up with, whatever, in the background. And then he like bounced it down and Fonte came back and they're listening to it. And I'm like, why does it sound like a chorus? Like it sounds like its own song. Like Fonte and Crisis, they had the idea. They knew that it was going to be like a Lady of Rage starting Snoop's album kind of thing. But it just hadn't hit me. I'm thinking of, I thought I was doing like, um, what's that? What's the song with uh, Yasin Bey and Little Brother where most uh, Yasin raps first? And then Pooh raps, then Fonte raps, it and it's just like, let it go. I'm thinking we're doing something like that, where like I've rapped, and then it's like a posse cut. I had no idea that it was my own song. So that's why that so-called hook is a bunch of shout-outs, because I didn't realize I was doing the hook. And it just, it really worked out. And Crisis said, I'm going to call the foul Von C's, because you're just talking about who you see. And I'm sending it to Nicolay and, and then Nicolay got me back and he's like, yeah, I have to figure out what we're going to actually call this song because I don't want to just call it Von C's. And the album came out and it was called Von C's and I play it and it's me on a song by myself. Dope. And I, I really I, w- I was so like aloof back then that it really I really had no idea that I had my own song on this album until it was out. Mm, mm, yeah. Classic album classic album yeah, and it started this journey here tell me about the impact of life is too short i think that's one of the first hip-hop songs you you fell in love with now i'm one of those people like people assume that because of the music i make it's definitely in the vein of what you guys make that i sit down and i listen to tanya morgan and tribe all day whereas you know sometimes i'm, I'm listening to big timers like I will listen to Manny Fresh and all that. So when you said you like that's too shame. short, yeah. When you said you like too short, I'm like, that's interesting. Tell me about the impact of that record on your life and why you like it so much. Uh, well, you know, I'm from uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, and Cincinnati, Ohio was basically a southern city. Uh, we're right next. We're right next to Kentucky. Louisville, Kentucky is only like an hour and a half away or so. Um, so, with that said, it's it's like in the it's it's. It's in the Midwest, but it's in the middle of like East, West and South. So we get a lot of we had a lot of different. It's a melting pot. And Too Short was one of the the artists that like I remember getting like the first the second album with Freaky Tales and um, Cuss Words and all that stuff on there. And when the video for I I think that might have been what life. No, when the video for Life is Too Short finally came out, like and I saw the video of him rapping, it just looked like. Brooklyn. It looked like it looked like a, I could understand it. Like, okay, for context, Rakim would be Rakim, Big Daddy Kane, um, uh, all all the you know all the foundational rappers from that era. They were like wizards. Like, I didn't understand how they did what they did with words. Like, it just it just didn't make sense to me. I couldn't I couldn't compute it. But when I saw Too Short, I was like, oh. I know exactly how he's doing. Like, it was like, finally, I can understand the magic trick. And he looked like he looked like me in terms of just like how he dressed it was like with a gold chain on. But it still felt like I was able to synthesize it and see myself and see my friends and see everybody I knew in it. And it just was like this. This like. Flashpoint, like not like a, I want to do that moment, but it was definitely like a, I, I can actually do that if I wanted to. 
and now I understand hip hop, and now I under now I understand how to make how to make a song or how to like rap if I wanted to rap. And I, it, it led me down the road, the pathway to like making pause tapes and like trying to write rhymes and whatnot, just mainly because, you know, a too short rap is way a too short rap is just easier to comprehend than a, a, a rock him rap. Like when I would hear rock him microphone theme, like it's nothing like that. I memorized it, but I, I absolutely did not know how he made it. The same way with like making beats, you know, like I, MF Doom was the person who I was like, okay, when I heard, when I heard, uh, this is a tangent, but when I heard um, Doomsday, that was the first time I was like, oh, I understand production in a way. Like, I see what he did to make these beats. Before, it was just like this mystical, like, I couldn't tell, I couldn't separate the, couldn't separate the program drums from the sample drums. I couldn't figure out the chops. It just didn't make sense to me until I figured out, until I saw somebody do it in a way where, you know, I could comprehend it. Mm, Okay. I I like what you said about understanding the magic trick. I, I, I know, I know exactly what you mean by that. Like, you know, if you flipped on his head, you listen to Elzai. You don't understand the magic trick. I listen to Elzai and I'm like, why am I here? Like, why, <laughs> why is this man, why does he rap like this? Elzai is like, listening to him rap is like unraveling a, a, a Rubik's Cube. And by the end of the verse, the Rubik's Cube is perfect. But I was saying this to someone else the other day, actually. I listened to guys like Too Short, you know, the Ant Banks production and stuff. Ant Banks! And just listen <laughs> yeah. to it. Like, I can clean my house to Too Short music. It's so musical. And here in London, and I think definitely for my circle, we gave the Bay Area a hard time because we were so East Coast centric. We were into the, the rap rap stuff. And it's only now that I'm mm-hmm. old, I've gone back and I've listened to Too Short. I've listened to Dangerous Crew. I've listened to E-40. And I'm like, the, the influence of the, these guys is crazy. Like you can hear E-40 in a lot of, in a lot of the art. The other thing about Too Short is he's a very conversational artist. And mm. if you listen to my style, it's, compares, it's comparative in a way that like, I'm extremely conversational. Like I, I had a, my voice is my voice is my voice. Like I had a friend I was riding around with him uh, a couple years ago. We were, he was playing some stuff, and it, like one of my songs came on. He was like, "Yo, man, it's so wild to me that like your rap voice and your speaking voice are exactly the same." Like it's like he was like, "I don't know if you hear it, but you rap exactly the way you talk, and it is kind of just weird. It's not like you're affecting a personality or like you have like a character. Like it's just like you're you." That's what that's what you said to me right right when we got on. The, the I said um I said to I said to Vaughn I said yo you sound just like the tape. <laughs> I was speaking to one of your your longtime collaborators, uh, a gentleman by the name of Jay Gunn. Now one of my favorite ever songs you co-produced it, Love Music, mm-hmm. the third day. I want to talk about that song. And your whole your sound signature with the whole is it a snooker ball? Like is it a snooker pool stick type thing? Oh, uh, like like a like a um, it's spo- like the uh, the bat crack. It's, it's supposed to be like bat hitting a baseball. Okay, there you go. Talk about working mm-hmm. working with the third day. Um, because I think that's that's something I don't okay. know if you've, you've spoken about before. Yeah. So, um, pretty much when I. Uh, Crisis was actually a part of the third day. I found that out, yeah. Yeah, initially. So that's how, like, that's how I first got cool with uh, Crisis. And I'm actually, we live down the, we live down the street from each other now in, in North Carolina. But when I went to do uh, what I was talking about, the song I did with Fonte that ended up on a compilation I made called The Beatmaker, I had also... Uh, did the record with uh the third day I, I, we had did that record and it it's on the original version it, that i produced is on the Beatmaker album if you want if you haven't heard the like the original version you can go to uh my bandcamp vonp.bandcamp and look at the uh the Beatmaker album and like the original production is on is still online on that album but when they put out their record they basically uh they remade the beat to the, that it may have been another example of not having the stems probably i don't remember but i know they they remade the track and um it's it's the same beat but it's just it's just remade and it, like so like the the swing is a little different because you know um their like their swing is on it 
Because, you know, we, we all have our same, we, we could be playing the same pattern, but the pocket is different. And um, I really like, I like the pocket theirs is in. It's basically the same beat, but like just in their pocket. And I like theirs better. And um, yeah, that was just, that was a um something we did over the internet. Like we actually didn't do that one in person. That's something, I, I actually, I think I met them one time. We We haven't actually been in the studio together. Yeah. Now that song means a lot to me. I love that album. It, the album, I heard it at a very pivotal point in my life. So I had just done a, a show in the UK. It was like this um, MC competition. Me and my boy got to the final. So the, the prize mm-hmm. was a thousand pounds. This is like oh, oh five. That's a lot of money. I thought, yep, I'm going to take my half. I'm recording my album. I'm out of here. We didn't win mm-hmm. the competition. He decides that he's going to go to New York as well to live. To And then... I'm there. I oh, didn't. To live, just yeah, leave. He was going to, I'm going to go follow my dreams over there. So, you know, I tried to be tough and I'm like, no, it's cool. I'm happy for you. But I was down, man. And then that album came in the post, right uh. to the house. So, broke up with a girlfriend at the time. My grandma had died a few months before. So, that album became the soundtrack to that period of loss. I lost my friend, lost the competition. It was like your escapism. Yeah. So, that's why that album means so much to me. And love music is. Is the one? Is the one? Yep. But uh, honestly, seriously, I'm I'm happy to hear that I had a I I could play some role and something that could help like take a break from you know a, a like life is peaks and valleys, but to take a break from like a valley of a time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm happy to be a part of that. Yeah. Real. No. 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 For sure. I got one last question before I let you go. An update on the legendary. What's the lineup today? Can I expect something new? I really enjoyed the last project. Um, ahead of schedule. Ahead of schedule. Yeah, we we did. Well, we had ahead of schedule. We we did the ahead of schedule remixes. Where um, I don't know if you got to hear that one, but I've got both was, of them. Um, I've got both of them. Okay, word. And then Don. Don is gonna get mad at me. What is the name of the beat tape we all made? It's called Pounds. Pounds. Yes. I haven't so got that one there's yet. There's a legendary. There's a legendary instrumental album. And that's what we're we're supposed to keep doing that. Like, um, you know, with 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 the with so many people doing so many things, it is hard as hell to make a, a group album. Like that much of a group album. I think it's a miracle that we've got gotten more than two Wu Tang albums. It is truly <laughs> a miracle. So like the fact that Wu Tang put out a double album after they all just just went platinum and gold and got their own tours and their own uh advanced checks that is a miracle so shout out to rizzo for that <laughs> his, his, his people management skills must be crazy yes yeah. yes like that is a miracle when like now being on this side and thinking of how long it took for ahead of schedule to happen shout out to germicide germicide basically took the album and i was like hey everybody everybody look look focus we're gonna finish this album this month and that's the only way it got done germicide got it done but as far as um we did pounds the beat tape because that's like that's easier to do and it, it came out like it just came out fun because everybody everybody in the crew makes beats and the people that don't make beats are like got like interludes on the on the album so excuse me we had like elucid elucid got beats up there elucid from arm and hammer uh, I think Ilias might have had some because Ilias produces, Don produces, yeah. I produce, Brick Beats, uh, Aeon, Shea Grand. Um, everybody, we all put these beats together and Don uh, executive produced it. Um, I would like if Don keeps executive producing the, the, the beat tape because he, he did a, a dope job at taking all of our styles because although we are collective, our styles are kind of all all over the place. But you know, he he took it and made like a a cool group instrumental album. Um, and I hope that we do another one of those. I, as far as doing another like collaborative album, to be honest, I think the the only way that would really happen is if all of us took the time and said, "All right, I'm gonna make two songs." featuring people in a legendary <laughs> like we all would have to like make take our own two songs and make stuff 
and then come to the table like I got two, you got two, you got two. And then we have like 12, 14 records. We we would have to almost do like another retreat. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like we did a, a thing called a retreat where like, you know, we all everybody just kind of we got an Airbnb in Philadelphia and just posted up for a couple of days and shot videos, made like a lot of the music videos for the head of schedule project came from that. That's how we shot all those videos. Yeah. Um, like song, we, we did a couple songs there, but you know, like it's like Vaughn was saying earlier, it's really hard to, it's hard enough for me and Vaughn to like be on the same type of schedule. Like, and we're, <laughs> we're in constant communication with one another. Like we're, but it's always like, you know, between my schedule and his schedule, there's just a lot to parse. And when you multiply that times seven or eight or however many people are in the crew at this point, you know, it's just, it's. It's not impossible, but it's hectic. Um, with that said, I do want to do another like legendary B tape joint. I also want to do another do like a vocal version thing. It's just it's just finding the time to do it. Um, and yeah, I probably will have the time to do it coming up soon, just because I just really the first thing I thought of when we when you mentioned legendary was the song um, championship vinyl on Don Cusack because. That was like that's like a purely it's, it's a song where I like got everybody to be on the song and it's just fun orchestrating that many people and having that many voices and that many like textures and colors vocally. Um, it's just an undertaking, you know what I'm saying? And that's actually a good idea. I think you you, you heard it here first. I think each one of us should put together a posse cut, <laughs> and that be the album, like Don's version of a posse cut my version of a posse cut, Shay's version of a posse cut, and make sure that, like, you know, every producer, like, make sure, you know, we got a brick track, we got an Aeon track, et cetera, and we all have a posse cut that we a and and that could be, like, the album. Check back in 10 years. <laughs> yeah, so give, give, us, give, us, give us 10 years to do that. Give us 10 years. <laughs> um, I know, Don, you mentioned you may have some time coming up. Please. If possible, bring back the Book of Rhymes podcast. I love that show. Um, Thank you, man. Your interviews with OC. OC's my favorite rapper ever, full stop. Um, your interviews with OC and Mike Geronimo served as the basis for some of the research I did when I had them on Breaking Atoms. So, oh, that's yeah, we, I went back and I listened to him. I thought, okay, so Don Wills asked them this question. I'm not going to ask this question. He asked this question. <laughs> so what question comes off the back of this question? It, it really helped. And I really enjoyed that show. It was really good for like my mental health as well. Like mm-hmm. just listening to it and I just got it. Shout out to um, Classic Material. My guy, Carlos, man, wouldn't have, and Mika would have been possible at all without those two. Um, it's the reason why the show has been halted. I paused. It was like, you, you probably understand this, but like to do journalism and to do like, like interviews, you have to be, you have to immerse yourself in the world. You know what I'm saying? It's hard to, it's hard to write rhymes, produce music, DJ, and really just fully devote myself to journalism. Because again, like if, if I'm in, when I'm interviewing OC, I'm spending a week watching every interview I can find, listening to every album. When I listen to albums, I have to like rewind cuts, like, like transcribe lyrics. Like I, like, I don't know how to not take a thing seriously. And I, I think that's why when people see me do, I, I do a bunch of things and I do them all to an extent, to a degree where it's like, oh, he's, he knows what he's doing. It's because I literally will stop my entire life for however long I have to stop to figure it out. Um, so again, like, <laughs> like with that said, it's, it's, it's kind of amazing that Vaughn can wrangle me long enough to, to make <laughs> to get an album. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, now, we, that, we got that, our dynamic. It, it works. Like, you know. Yeah, that that's just testament to how much I enjoy, like, making music with Vaughn. And, like, I also respect the fact that music is my first talent and ability. Like, like making music, like rapping, you know, like, that's pretty much the reason why I'm able to do anything from Book of Rhymes to a, a podcast score to, like, music supervisor thing is because me and Vaughn made an album. <laughs> so you know what I'm saying me Bon Elias made an album Brick Beats was with us we made an album and that album opened a series of doors that led us to this day it would be it would be neglectful and disrespectful of me to just be like 
you know, I, I got to honor that. I got to always come back to that and honor it. So I would like to do more of the podcast episodes. I'm still in touch with Carlos. That's my guy. I love um, his clothes. I love, I love his clothes. Class materials, fire. But it just, it just has to be, because the way that we were doing it is, I, w- I, would need, I would need to have the schedule. Be, I'm giving away too much how the sausage is made, but whatever. I would, <laughs> need, I would need it to be like, we have 10 artists. We interview the 10 artists. They're in a the can. Then like it comes out as opposed to every week, something different is changing because my life is very hectic. No, I understand like scheduling. I was thinking today and I'll wrap up. I'm actually going to tweet this. People who schedule guests for podcasts and do the, the whole arrangement and stuff, they're MVPs, man. So like my, yeah. my, my partner Summit, like I give him all the props in the world because sometimes I'll just open up Zoom. I see Tanya Morgan interview book i see corrupt i see whoever i'm like yo how you do this like how you even find these people because i'm sure they get dms from whoever why they respond (laughs) to you like how do you do this so i know it's a lot of i know it's a lot of work and i can relate but if the podcast yeah no he's 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 a legend if the podcast does ever come back um and you need any help with the research side just hit me up man i live for this stuff seriously i live for this stuff man because again like that was we could talk about, I'll, I'll hit you up later, yeah, but let's talk. I was let's talk literally, that was one of the reasons why I was just like, I need help. I can't be a full coverage reporting journalistic media team. Okay. Alone. Well, let's, let's talk. Right. Let's talk. I like this. I like this here. I like what's happening. <laughs> right now. We get albums made. We relaunch a podcast. You know what I'm saying? Here we go. I just want to say Tanya Morgan as a, as a fan my sister is calling me. I was hoping that this wouldn't happen. Anyway, we're going to keep that in the interview. Um, as a fan, <laughs> you, Tanya Morgan is so important in terms of my second act in hip-hop. I fell in love with hip-hop in the days of Crisscross, MC Hammer. Me, me too. There we go. That was my one-night stand. The lifelong love affair started when I heard <laughs> Wu-Tang. I'm like, I'm in this. And, you know, when I got my first computer, early, early adulthood, I was at university. You guys call it college. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I just discovered you guys' music, and you are the soundtrack to that period where I really learned about myself, and I started that journey to discovery. You guys have helped to soundtrack that, and um, I just want to say thank you. Definitely want to say thank you, and uh, I really appreciate everything you've done, man. And you guys, you guys are like five, what five albums and a few EPs in. It's just so good to see that you guys are still here. And yeah, doing your the, thing. the fifth, the fifth full length album is uh, Dawn and Vaughn. There you go, and man. Th- Thank you, because like, like for real, the the fact that the fact that there are people like yourself that, as an artist yourself, like you, like we can't we can't pull no tricks on other other MCs, other artists. So like you you hear, like you know what I mean? Like you see the magic tricks, you know how the magic tricks are done, and you like, nah, that's some BS. And so that so we're like, it's pure, and we've held your attention for fifteen freaking years. And you know, you and all all of the the yous that we make music for, we don't take it for granted, man. Mm. So we appreciate that for real. No, I really, I really, really appreciate you. And Summit loves you too. I think personally, I'm going to say this. He'll hear this. He he booked you because he's like, no, this is this is Chris's thing. Like Chris is this is <laughs> this is his bag. So I know he does that. And he did that with Pooh as well. He booked rapper Pooh. He's like, no, I did that for you. That's you. That's a good friend right there. <laughs> I just want to say thank you, man. You always have a platform here at Breaking Atoms. I'm enjoying the album and I'll be spreading the word. Thank, thank you. you. Hopefully we make it over there sometime soon. Respect to Tanya Morgan for coming through. It was an absolute pleasure to speak with Don and Von. Make sure you check out their new album, which is also called Don and Von, out now. In the words of the great Fonte Coleman, dope beats, dope rhymes. This hip hop ain't really that hard. And Tanya Morgan make it look and sound easy. Before we close out the month of September, on behalf of myself and Summit, I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in, for spreading the word and supporting our podcast series on The Blueprint by Jay-Z. September 2021 has been the most successful month that we've ever had in terms of downloads since this podcast began. Five figures, literally, and we are so, 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 so thankful. Respect to Complex also for naming us as one of 10 podcasts that you need in your life, and big up to The Guardian and Music Week for featuring us on their platforms. Trust me, there is more coming. Until then, 
We are on the socials. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Break the Atoms. You can find me on those same platforms at I Am Kinetic with a K at the end because people still spell it wrong. And you can also find Summit at Hip Hop Chronicle. We will see you next week with more of this hip hop goodness, breaking it down until there's no more compounds left. Peace.